Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Good morning, church. Come on, let's give Jesus a little heartfelt praise real quick. Come on, he's worthy. We're here for him. We're here about him. We're here to lift him up. The Bible says if he be lifted up, he'll draw all people unto him. And I'm so thankful that uh, we get to be together and he's in our midst. And um, we need church today. Come on, last night was a tough, a tough uh, football game. We need church today. You need church today. Look at somebody sitting next to you and say, I'm still a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner. We don't have a lot of touchdowns, but we have Jesus. We have God. We have Jesus on our side. And so I was at the game last night and um, it was just uh, uh, very prayerful. And so um, we are, we're going to jump into the book of Nehemiah. We're in a vision season. You're still a winner. You are a winner today. I'm here to declare that. And uh, no matter what team you cheer for, you win uh, in Jesus. So uh, this vision season, last time I uh, put, last week you had a card on your seat. Um, vision and plans just to continue to expand uh, this footprint, this facility uh, for some things that I've shared on my heart with you. We've been praying several years about that. And um, I really want to be careful. And this is what God's put on my heart as we, as we really look at uh, praying about what God has for us, what you would do in the vision offering in two weeks. Uh, December the 3rd, we have a vision offering every year, first Sunday in December. And, and we always have vision as a church. I'm thankful to be a part of a church that has vision, aren't you? Come on, it's, uh, you know, you, you, God has given us vision. We want to reach people. We want to reach the city. We want to see generations reached and people come to Christ. And so um, the next couple weeks, I'm going to ask you to pray. Next week, you'll have a little offering envelope just for Vision 2024 on your seat. Take that next week, pray about it. And then we'll all bring a vision offering, our, our best, our biggest faith move we can make together and be in unity with that to believe God for this next 2024 season to expand the vision. As I teach on, and, and really God led me into Nehemiah, I want to be careful to really explain what the heart of it is all about, because it's not about walls. It's not about building. It's not about a bigger church, better decor. It's about uh, a couple things that I want to really share from the book of Nehemiah today. And um, I just think it's important that we keep perspective on uh, who Nehemiah was. Last week, we looked at him rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and that we, we kind of talked about it's hard to worship with no walls. Anybody ever worshiped in an area, but you, your life doesn't change much? because you keep kind of going through the same mistake or the same pattern. Sometimes you need, you need, you can worship or we can sing, but still feel suicidal sometimes because we haven't built, built walls in our life that, that help us know how to navigate emotions, feeling, counseling, healing, life. You know, so there's some walls, put up some, some walls, some boundaries. It's good to have walls in your life. Anybody come on as a believer, you need some walls in your life without walls, without the riverbanks. It's just a marsh. It's just dead stuff. It's just decaying. We need walls. Walls are good. Guardrails are good. Boundaries are good. Lines on the highway are good. Come on, everybody. It's good. You're like, I don't like rules. I want to drive everywhere. Stay away from me, somebody. So last week we looked at putting walls in our life. Um, this week I want to look at Nehemiah rebuilding some things in the heart of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah was a builder. God is a builder. He's always been a builder. He was a builder from the beginning. Um, he's a creator. He's a builder. He has asked his kids to be builders. He's asked you and I as Christ followers to be builders. Adam and Eve, the first couple on the planet, builders. He said, I want you to plant. I want you to build. I want you to expand the garden from the very first call of mankind. I want you to guard, keep, build, plant, expand. They were builders. He went to Noah. I want you to build an ark, Noah. He went to Abraham. Abraham, I want you to build a great nation. He looked at Jesus, the cornerstone of our faith, and he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. I will build my church. God's a builder. You and I 
are builders. The question is, what are you building? You can build a home, you can build a skyscraper, you can build a business, you can build a bank account. With the one and only life that you and I have, what are we building? I can build a church, we can put up new walls, we can expand it, but what are we building? What is God asking me to build and asking you to build? And I I believe um, if you're a Christ follower, the really most important thing that you can do with your life and that you can do with your calling is to be a people builder. That you're called to be a people builder, no matter what age or what background or what, what color, what nation, what creed, no matter what. You and I are called as Christ followers to be people builders. God at heart is a builder, and you and I have to ask ourselves, with, with this life we have, what, what are we going to build? And I think I need to even continue to refocus on, I'm going to build people. Nehemiah had this heart to build people. It wasn't about building walls. It wasn't about rebuilding a temple. It wasn't about rebuilding a church or necessarily a vision card. It wasn't about that. He, didn't, he wasn't emotional about that. He was emotional because his family was in disgrace. His family, they couldn't build their dreams. They couldn't build their hopes. They couldn't build their, their children. They couldn't build their careers because they, they were attacked by the enemy over and over and over. It had no stability of faith to build anything in their life. And so he was upset and hurt by their life, the situations of where the people were. We're in a series called House of Miracles. If this is going to be a house of miracles, what are we building? I think we're called to build people. I think we're called to restore faith and restore hope and help people build their kids and build their families and build on the truth of God's word. To build something that is more powerful than just walls or just gates. Next week, I'm going to really teach and preach on the 10 gates that Nehemiah restored. Really some powerful gates of revival in our life if we put those gates up and it's very insightful. Um, but, but it's not just about the gates or the walls or the expanding the building. It's about families. It's about people. It's about hurting people that need God to build their life. That's what this is about. And, and here's the thing. Nehemiah wasn't a priest. He wasn't a pastor. Some of y'all are like, man, the pastor does all the build, build all the people. That's what Nehemiah wasn't that. Nehemiah was just a great leader. He was just, he was a leader in a city he wasn't even, he, he was a cupbearer. He had influence. He was, a, he was a leader. And you as a Christ follower, you're a leader and you've been called to build people. Hear me, you could be an accountant. You could be a teacher. You can be a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad. You can be a businessman, a businesswoman. You can be, but the ultimate calling on you is called by God to build people, to pour into people, to see people. So Nehemiah gets his heart to go back to Jerusalem. He sees the city is in disarray. And in Nehemiah 2.17, he says this, the first speech he gives to the people to rally them as a leader. He says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. Listen to that. His heart was because his families were, were in disgrace. People were in disgrace. The enemy had wreaked havoc on some of y'all. Some of y'all know what it feels like to have family members or situations in your life that you feel like, man, that's just disgraceful. I just can't imagine how they're going through that or why. And the heart of us is going, no, there should be no disgrace on people. There should be shame off people, right? There should be grace, grace on the people. And so Nehemiah says, man, they're in disgrace. Like my family can't build anything. They're, they're being ridiculed and they're in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work, Nehemiah 2, 17 and 18. My title for today is farsighted faith, farsighted faith, farsighted faith. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for uh, vision. Would you give us new vision? Would you give us vision for our own life or whatever we're uh, building? Thank you that we can build things. We can build church. We can build businesses. We can build, uh, uh, we can build bank account. We can build. Lord, you've called us to be builders. But Lord, ultimately, we would use our life with a, with a faith to see down the road that we would build people. 
that we would pour into people and that you would give us the strength and power in Jesus name. Amen. Farsighted faith. I'm still in my forties. I said that last week. I'm, I'm close to not being, um, and, uh, and I'm not going to tell you how many years that's going to be, but, uh, if y'all listened to the sermon last week, you'll know. Uh, but several years ago, about three or four years ago, I just, things started going blurry to me. I'm like, man, I can't, why can I not? And I'm like holding things way out here, trying to see it out here. And I'm looking at, and I don't know what, I went like vegetarian for a few years. You all, all of you made fun of me. So I'm like, maybe I don't have enough cabbage or enough meat in my life. Maybe I need some red meat. I'm like, is there, I'm looking up like amino acids and eyesight. You know what I'm saying? Like aminos and vision. I don't know. I'm eating broccoli. I'm trying to figure it out. My wife looks at me one day. She goes, hey, babe you need glasses. I was like, Oh God, no. Like, please God. Like I've had 2020. I've never worn glasses. I don't, I don't, I don't believe it. She's like, here, try these. And she gives me these readers and it's like, Oh, everything's just clear. Like I'm in denial. God, no. I'm like heal my eyes. I wouldn't wear them. I still, I'm like, forget to wear them. I just don't, I, I just, I couldn't see up close, right? I couldn't, it was hard to see. I could see way out there. I could have this kind of farsighted vision. I could see, I, I could do sports. I could play golf. I could enjoy life. I could go on the boat. I could see my kids play. I could see out here. I could drive without glasses. I could see cart, but I couldn't see right here. And here's the reality. I, I had this farsighted vision, which I think is actually better than the nearsighted vision. I think as a people, sometimes we get so nearsighted, we, we're able to see our own hurts, our own needs, our own slights, our own offenses, the things that have been done to us. They're so up close and we can see it so clearly. And then we have no vision for what actually God has for us out here. And I think sometimes we need to say, you know what, we're going to be a far-sighted church. We're going to be a people that actually care about lost people in the city, that actually care about the feeding people, that care about our, our schools and our communities and our teachers and our veterans and our first responders. And, and we're going to be a far-sighted people because that matters out there. And I just want to encourage you, like as a church, I'm committed, we're committed to being a far-sighted church. Like we're going to continue to look out and to reach people and not just get so up close and blurry where everything's just about us. It's got to be about more than just, just us. We got to believe that God's dreams and vision can come true for people that aren't here yet. The people are out there. Nehemiah is farsighted. He has this vision. He goes, I'm devastated that my family and people in the city are in disgrace. And he says this in Nehemiah one, three, this is his response. When he hears about Jerusalem, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of, listen, the walls of Jerusalem are broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. So he assesses and he sees the walls are torn down. Listen to me. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts and then I'm going to give you some points. The first thought, these walls took years and years to build, years to build this city. They were torn down in just a few attacks, just several attacks. And these walls were torn down. What you need to get in your life and we need to understand today is that it's a lot easier to tear down than it is to build up. It's a lot easier if we're going to be people builders and if you're going to be a people builder and I'm going to build and we're going to build the right thing. It's a lot easier. It's much easier to tear down than it is to build up. My son years ago, my oldest son, he loved Legos and I think he was in like fourth grade or fifth grade or third grade. I don't know, somewhere in there. And uh, how old are my kids, babe? No, I'm just kidding. Um, he was in one of those grades and like he had this Lego set. It was like this uh, Atlantis Lego set. It was like $400, my life savings Lego set. 
How do you have $400 Legos? You know, it's giant. It take up a whole table. He spent, and, and he spent months and months building that thing, going through the directions. And as a young age, it was advanced, and he's building that. And we always tried to teach our kids their toys weren't just theirs. And so when people came to visit, and, 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 and we should have done a better job probably putting some boundaries around that because we wanted to teach them not selfishness. And so anything was everybody, so people would come, and they could play with all this. And so there was one family that came to our house, and their, kid, their child was very needy and just had some, some problems in his life. And so he began wanting to play Legos, and he... And he went into a kid's room and he began to play with this Atlanta set and he literally just smashed this thing and destroyed it. And my son was very heartbroken for that age and he had been working hard on that. And, and, and here's the thing, we were like, it's okay, we can rebuild it, we can do all these things. We're trying to like, like you know, console him and, and we had the, the books and all that, and, and, but his heart, was, his heart was so broke. He's like, I don't even have the, I don't even want to build it. I, I don't have the band, bandwidth to even try to, I already did that, I can't. And I think a lot of times, like when we're so needy and when we keep needing it, it's okay to have needs, but when we're needy, there's a difference. You know what I'm talking about? And, like when, and when it's all about that, like we usually tear people down to satisfy our own gaps and our own hurts. We'll, 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 it's, easier, it's easier to tear down a marriage than it is to build up a marriage. It's easier to tear down a business with a few acts of dishonesty than it is to build a business with years of acts of integrity. It's easier to tear down people with criticism than it is to build up and to believe and put the word of God into them. And so you and I have to realize, looking at this, it's so much easier. You ever seen those skyscrapers, years to build, but they fall in a second? It's easier to tear down than it is to build up. And there's two types of people in the world. There's builder-uppers and tear-downers. That's it. There's builder-uppers or tear down is I want to be a guy and I want to be a leader and a husband and a father and a pastor and a, a, bo- a boss that builds up. I want to build, I want to be a builder upper. Look at somebody and say, I'm a builder upper. I'm a builder upper. That feels good. I'm a builder upper. It's not English. I get it. Forgive me. Come on, teachers. It's all right. But as a person, as a leader, as a Christian, I want you to commit to being a builder upper. They begin to, be- to build. In Nehemiah 2, 19, he says this, but when Sanballat the Horonite now we understand why he's so bitter. His name is, is Horonite. <laughs> if your name is Sanballat the Horonite, you're going you're gonna to ridicule and have a bad perspective in life too. <laughs> this guy comes out and starts ridiculing and is negative. Of course he's negative. His name's Horonite. Uh, it's like it, it, Sanballat, Tobiah, the Ammonite, official Gershom, the Arab heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us automatically. What is this you're doing? They asked, are you rebelling against the king? They begin to check and criticize their motives, criticize what they're doing. Here's the second thought. Number one, it's easier to tear down than build up. Number two, when you build up, you bring out critics. If you make a decision, I'm going to build up some things. I'm going to build up some people. Critics are going to come out of the woodwork. Some of you get so discouraged by critics in your life. The reality is the only way to not get criticized is to do nothing. And, and here's the thing, if you're not getting some critics and some critique and some, peop, some, some enemy attack, then you might just be going the same direction the enemy's going. If you're not getting some resistance, and so, and, and so many of you have to realize that you, you're getting some criticism right away because you're trying to build something. Usually the people that criticize uh, when you're trying to build, they're trying to make themselves feel better for not building anything. Don't, don't allow someone to criticize you from a place you've fallen when they never attained that place in the first place. A lot of times we'll climb the mountain and we'll have mistakes or slip ups or whatever happens in our life and we might not be there. And then all of a sudden people begin to criticize us and it was something they never attained to or never achieved in their life. How can you criticize where you've never gone to? And so I just want to encourage you, you're going to get criticism. Don't let that, they're getting mocked, they're getting ridiculed, their motives are getting criticized. Nehemiah's like, they're like, why are you building? Who told you you could build this? 
The way to avoid criticism is do nothing, build nothing, try nothing. But Nehemiah's like, no, we're going to build. We're going to believe God. We're not going to allow people's insecurity. Come on, usually those that want to tear down or want to criticize, they have insecurity because they're not trying anything that's worth, worthwhile in their life. Does that make sense? Here's some characteristics. I'm going to give you six characteristics of people builders. It's very important. Number one, people builders love people and use things. People builders love people and use things. Nehemiah begins to have this heart for people. He has a heart to rebuild a city that's broken because he has a heart for people. Nehemiah 1.4, he has this response to the walls being torn down. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. He hears about the walls and he begins to get on his knees and weep and fast and not eat. This man in the Bible, a real person that can relate to you and I begins to weep because the walls are broken down. He's not emotionally uh, moved because the architecture in the city isn't as beautiful as it used to be. He's moved because people's lives are in disgrace and their lives are broken and they're in pain and they're suffering and they're hurting. And he's like, man, I don't want this for the people in my city. I was driving to the game last night and I was late, so I was flying. I shouldn't have been going that fast. And I, and I passed this dude. He's about 20. And when I see him, when I'm coming up on him, he's like doing, he's doing something. And there's a lot of people in our area that are on drugs right now. And I, it's, they're, they're going through a lot. And so I was like, man, maybe this guy's on some drugs and he's in, and, and I, get next to him and I pull past him and I look and he's, he, he wasn't on drugs. He was just, something had happened. He was so angry and he was angry. He was talking to himself. He was like, oh, and he was just, and I, I could just feel this pain and this anger. And I was, I was like, do I, I'm like, God, do I stop? And literally like I began to like, God began to give me this vision of like his life. Like he goes, how do you know what happened in a home just now? How do you know what his father or mother might've done to him? How do you know, where did that anger come from? Son, God's talking to me. He's like, maybe he just got through the most horrific breakup or relationship he's ever been in the pain and the hurt and the anger that you see on that young man. He goes, I have thousands of kids around this city in the world that are going through that same thing. And I just began to get a tear in my eye and think like, God, would you, I don't, could you help me to care for people well enough to love people and, and, and use things, not, not love things and use people? Could you give me a heart? Because with people, that God brings people into my life or who I have a sphere of influence with, can you help me to, to love them and to care for them in the right way, God? Jesus had the same heart. He's like, man, they were like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved at the masses of hurting and pain and the people that were in that. And God's just telling us, look, if we're going to build people, we have to love them. Here's why Nehemiah loved them, because he knew what it meant to be broken himself. Can I tell you, you'll never love pe broken people if you don't know how broken you are. And the, and the greatest sign of brokenness or the greatest brokenness is a person that doesn't know they're broken. The reality is we're all broken. I mean, yes, God's healing us and we're in process and we're being healed and we go from one healing to the next healing, one glory to the next glory, the Bible says. But if we walk around thinking we ain't broken, come on, y'all, the Pharisees were like that. It's like, God, fix them people. <laughs> Pharisees like, heal those sinners. Come on, y'all. You know, like it's them, it's all them. But the reality is like, we're all broken. And like, if, we, if we're gonna love broken people, then we have to realize that we were broken. Nehemiah understood that when he prayed a prayer, he said, God, forgive our forefathers and forgive me. He's like, God, I'm included in this thing. Like we all, you, you will never love broken people if you don't realize who, who healed you and what God is doing in your life. And so I want, and as our church, I wanna believe that we're gonna actually reach people and introduce them to the people, to the God that healed us because we were broken. Does that make sense? If we're gonna love people, we have to begin to, Love people and use things. It's hard. Why do we do what we do as a church? Why do we give away 847 boxes of food? Like, 
I think that's what 870, uh, that's times five to seven. That's how many meals you guys have given away in the last couple of weeks. And now we've got gifts. We're going to try to give away over 900 or 1,000 gifts. Some, it's crazy. I don't even know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. We're believing God. It's not easy. We could easily just say, you know what we're going to do? Take care of us. We're going to use our ministry resources just on us and just have our own little party and have our own little Christmas. We're going to bring in strangers. We're going to reach people. Why? Because we love broken people. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of volunteers, a lot of resources, a lot of money, a lot of, a lot of vision, a lot of heart to say, okay, God, help us to love people. Years ago, my wife and I were at Disney, and um, we had our kids there, three kids. She was always a little nervous about, because I would lose our children. I, <laughs> only happened twice, you know. <laughs> she, I was wondering, why are you so edgy? She's like, you've lost them before, okay? <laughs> so we're at, we're at Disney, and, uh, and we, we have the little code word and when to meet and at what time. And if we all come back together at this spot, and so we all, we all get back together at this spot and it's like five minutes past the time and there's two of them there and one of them's not there. And, uh, we wait about 10 minutes and then about 15 minutes and we're getting a little concerned, but we, he, he knew when to be back there. And I was like, Hey, we got two out of three. Let's go on back to the hotel. We're good. And she looked at me. I did not do that. She'd have killed me. She cut my neck. You know what I'm saying? I didn't say that. That was stupid. That'd have been the stupidest thing a dad could ever say. We got two out of three. Why is it that at church we think, oh, we got two out of three God's kids? It's okay. It's all right. We got we got oh, this many seats full. It's all right. There's other kids out there. But if we got two out of three, it's okay. I would never do that as a dad, as a as a family with my children at Disney. Why do we? Why can we think as a church we say, okay, two out of three is okay? It's not. Two out of three is not okay. We want to believe for souls, believe for people, believe for revival, believe for our city, believe to rebuild some stuff in people's lives. And I just, I'm just determined to say, God, I'm going to love people. I'm going to, I'm going to model it. I want to model it for me, for my family, for my team, for our church. And I think it's important. I think we do that well, but I want to encourage you as an individual, love people and use things. The second thing we have to do, I'm just talking about building people. Very important. Uh, number two, risk, a people builder risks being real. He risks being real. She risks being real. Nehemiah says this. He, he, he assesses everything. He hears about Jerusalem and he goes into the king and he says this. In the month of Nisan, on the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not, I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. So, so you got to get, get this. Like You couldn't go in front of the king's presence sad. Because it was a direct reflection on the king. It actually communicated that he wasn't ruling well. He wasn't leading his kingdom well. You weren't allowed to have a sad face in front of the king. So Nehemiah is risking. He would, you could actually be killed to go in front of the king sad. So he's risking death to be real. He's actually risking being real to the point of death. And, and he's not stupid. He's smart. Some of y'all going into your boss like, I want, a new job. I, want a, I want a raise and you ain't doing nothing right. That's your real. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to keep it real with you. I, you, get, you suck at being a boss. That, <laughs> that's, that's not what Nehemiah does here. It says, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. You're the best boss ever. You're the best spouse ever. You're the best husband ever. You're the best wife ever. You're the best friend ever. Long live you forever. But can we talk about some stuff? There's a way, there's a way to, to do that. He risks being real in the presence of the king. You and I, we have to risk being real. We, we have to risk, if we're going to really build people, you have to risk being real to the point of death of the relationship. 
A lot of times you won't be real with your insecurities, your fears, your feelings, because you know it's going to cause conflict or you know you might risk rejection. You, you know you might risk them, them misjudging you. And so we just stay surface level when we build people. We stay surface level in our relationships because we never want to risk the conflict or being truthful. And then we don't want to risk rejection. And so we just stay surface. But the reality is if you'll risk being real and you'll actually share your feelings, if you'll share how you feel, you're going to face some conflict. Then you go through some conflict. You have good and bad days. You've gotten through some stuff. Now you have a foundation of of trust. Why? Because trust is only built on truth. You can't build trust without truth. And so I, I would encourage me, you, like when we, when we talk to each other, how are you doing? What do you need? How do you feel? Like we get real, we get honest, and we risk it enough to build people to be honest and to be real and to build a close relationships that can be built on something that's real. Some of you husbands and wives, you can't be real. You're scared to be real. Some of you relationships, you're scared to be real. You're scared to say, do it in the right way. Don't go throwing punches. May the king, somebody, some of y'all need to say that right now. May the king live forever. <laughs> that, that, that just be a little trigger phrase whenever you want to get real about something, you know? May the queen live forever. May the queen live forever. <laughs> the third thing that a people builder does, they challenge people to see what they can become. They, they don't just take what they see as what they get. They begin to challenge people. I begin, you begin to challenge people to actually see what they can become, to see what God can do in someone's life, to believe by faith. I met with a couple the other day and there was a little you know, concern and relationship and we all have that at times. And they were like, well, how do I trust this in this person? I said, you can't fully trust them in that. You can trust God in that and you can actually trust what they're gonna become because they're gonna be more than what they are right now with God's power and God's strength. My wife married me you know, 22 years ago for who I would be, not who I was at that moment. And we're becoming every day more and more like Christ. And so you can put faith on the picture and say, you know what? I'm gonna believe for who they can be. This isn't who you actually are. Years ago, I was pulling off the, the Cedar Bluff exit and there was a guy begging out there and he had a sign, I was born for this. That's what his sign said. And I had the same reaction. I was like, oh, you were not. I rolled my window. And I said, you were not born for that. You are the image of God. God loves you. Here's some money. You, God's got a plan for you. Some of you feel like you were just born for disgrace or just born for destined for divorce or just born for cancer or just born for, or just whatever, born for rejection or just born for this or just born for the, to go through that. No, you weren't. You can become a lot more than you think you can with the power of God. Nehemiah began to see who they could be. Jesus did this all the time. Think about Simon Peter. He changes his entire name. Simon Peter, Simon's name, Simon was wishy-washy. His name meant wishy-washy. Simon, son of John. It was Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar meant son and Jonah was John. Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of John. Jesus changes his name. Peter's name meant wishy-washy, flip-flop, kind of, you know, just all in, kind of a little, little spastic, little radical, like, like just, you, could, you know, I'll cut your ear off one day. Like, you know, I love you, Jesus, I'll never die the next day. You know, it's like just wishy-washy. And Jesus says, hey, hey, you're not going to be Simon anymore. You're going to be Peter. You're going to be rock. That's what Peter meant. And I'm going to build my church on the rock of who you are and what you've got from God. I'm going to build on, on you. I, I, I mean, here, changes his entire name. Changes his name from Simon Barjona. Think of it this. This is his name. Barjona is, is son of John, which is Johnson. Johnson. Peter's name was Simon Johnson. That was his name. And Jesus' name changes his name from Simon Johnson to Rock Johnson. Come on, somebody. Strong. 
With a name like Rock Johnson, you're going to be a movie star. Peter was the first rock, the first movie star, Rock Johnson. Dwayne Johnson had nothing on him. Jesus changed Peter's name. He said, this is who you can be. This is who you're called to be. You're going to be strong. You're going to be a rock. I challenge some of y'all today. You're going to be, you're stronger than you think you are. With God's power, they begin to get distracted and Nehemiah begins to speak to him and and he's like, listen, stop focusing on all the fearful things. They get distracted. They hear the enemy. They're like, we can't do it. They get tired, discouraged. We can't do it. We can't build. We can't build. We can't build this marriage. We can't build this friendship. We can't build this business. We can't, we can't build this dream. And, and this, is what, this is what Nehemiah says. He stops and he says, I looked over things and I stood up and said to the nobles, officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord God who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He's saying, stop focusing I'm just here to say to somebody today, stop focusing on what you aren't and what you can't do and all the fearful things and all the worrisome things and all the financial, stop focusing on that. You have a great and awesome God. You're a, you're a child of God. You have the favor of heaven on your life. You have the DNA of God in your veins. You are a child of God. Stop focusing. You're a fighter. You're not a wimp. You're not a, you're not a fearful person. You're a fighter. That's what Nehemiah says. That's what Jesus says, and I, I don't know where you are today, what you want to give up on, or where you're fearful at. We all have those areas, but here, you can become more than you think you can. I just want to encourage you, if you're ready to quit, give up, man, you, you're a fighter. Don't quit. Don't, don't give up on it. God, God didn't bring you this far to stop working in your life right now. Come on, he's working. God's working. A people builder calls people beyond where they are and lets them see what they can be. Number four, a people builder never gets distracted by the critics. Nehemiah's on the wall building and the people are building and four times these critics come out and they begin to accuse them. I don't know, anybody ever been accused by critics? They begin to accuse them and they're like, hey, you can't do this. And they say, hey, come down to the plain of Ono and talk with us. And my wife has this little saying, whenever anybody's, you know, in the past has tried to meant harm to us or criticized or whatever, and not, and not, I mean, you healthy criticism is good. Like critique is good. Criticism is different. And so, and so they're trying to get Nehemiah off the wall and he, and they're trying to distract him from the work that God's called him to do. And he says, Oh no, I'm not coming down to that plane. It's called, it was the plane of Ono. They said, come on down to the plane of Ono. My wife will go, whenever that happens, she goes, Oh no. Oh no. We're not going to the plane of Ono. Oh no. And so, so there's people that want to get you off of the mission, off of what you're building, off of what you're doing, and they want to critique you and criticize you. Here's the painful thing about critics and critiques. Usually they come from those closest to you. Usually they come from those right near you. And years ago, I remember as a church, we were trying to like reach the community and we were going to serve hot dogs and wash cars for free and do laundry. And we were giving it all away. We gave shot glasses away. That was cool. We did that. And, um, we, uh, we, we had a shot glass and we wrote on the shot glass, give us a shot. And we put Easter invites in the shot glass and we got invited into bars to hand them out to people. And it was crazy. People left the church and I was thankful to go by. Oh, see, we'll do it. It's fine. <laughs> we got criticized. I'm going to be real, real vulnerable and honest. One, one girl was like, what are we going to do next? This is a little extreme. <laughs> she said, what are we going to do next? We're going to hand out condoms and say, cover up with Jesus. Like, That's a great idea. That's a great idea. My wife's shaking her head. She's mad. Oh no, I'm distracted now. <laughs> I mean, we'll, I, I, we'll, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. And the, and the shot glass saved, I mean, like four people got saved and their lives are totally changed because of the bar we went into with those shot glasses. There's nothing holy or unholy about a shot glass. It's what you do with it, right? 
And so we used it as an instrument to reach people for Christ. And, and we were giving out these shirts, or, or excuse me, we were giving out this outreach. And so, so we wore t-shirts that had the name of our church on it. And we had this group, a couple of them in church. And, you know, there's always a couple critics, right? There's a couple hundred of us going out to try to bless the city. And this person came and said, your motives are all wrong. The Bible says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing when you go to help the poor. It says, don't ring a bell and get your reward in front of men. And you're out here, since you have shirts that say the name of the church on it, you're out here with shirts on it, just letting everybody know what you're doing. And you have the wrong motive. And this is not the Bible. And I was like, dude, we're just trying to give away some free hot dogs. And nobody's going to eat a hot dog from a stranger. This shirt says that it's safe to eat. <laughs> We're just trying to hand out some water. I mean, people that close to, these are Christians in our church, like close to us being critics because we're trying to go out and do something for God. Do not get distracted by the critics in your life. Usually they come because you're doing something for God. If you're not doing anything, you don't have any critics. I want to encourage you. Like maybe you think you're going in the wrong way. Maybe you're going in the right way. Nehemiah says, we're not going to get distracted by that. I'm going to ignore it. Are you trying to prove to your critics that you're a great guy? I wanted to prove to those people, I'm a great guy. No, I'm a great guy. <laughs> Why y'all messing with me? I didn't need to fight and prove that. Are you criticizing your critics? Are you arguing? You're trying to prove it? No, no, no. Let God handle the critics. Whatever you're doing in your life, whatever you're building, when you begin to build people, let God handle all of those things. Don't get distracted. Don't, don't look away from what God's called you to build. Five. Keep building when progress is hard to see. Keep building when progress is hard to see. A people builder, you're building your children, you're building a marriage, you're building a family, you're building a business, you're building a church. I don't know what it is you're striving to dream for and build, but man, a lot of days it looks like there's no progress. And I know in Nehemiah, when he's talking to the people in the in the, in the Bible, they get discouraged. It, 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 they, they actually say, meanwhile, the people in Judah, the strength of the labors gave out and there was much rubble. Listen, there was much rubble so we could not rebuild the wall. Sometimes there's so much rubble in our marriage, in our, in our, in our ministry, in our mind, it's hard to rebuild something. Because you're like, man, I want to deal with it. I want to rebuild it, but I keep coming across more and more rubble. And the rubble has to be dealt with. You know, it's harder to rebuild than it is to build fresh. Because when you build fresh, there's no rubble, there's no destruction, there's no pain, there's no hurt, there's nothing you've been through. But when things go through stuff, there's going to be rubble and stuff that we have to deal with. It's like when I do the dishes, my wife hates how I do it. I have to take all the dishes and get them into the sink before I touch one dish. Anybody with me? Anybody pile it all in one spot? Get the chaos, get the confusion out of the way, and you get it all. This is manageable chaos. Some of y'all, I think that's the way to do it. Some of you need to take the chaos and the rubble and the concerns and the ruins of certain things and get it all in one pot. Like, deal with it all in one spot. And go, okay, God, now we see what we're working with. Now I can be energized. God, I need your help to rebuild some stuff. Some of you are so tired to rebuild the friendship or rebuild the thing because all of the rubble, I understand. It doesn't feel like there's any progress. Don't stop sowing. Don't stop planting. Don't stop building. The Bible says that one sows, one waters, but God gives the increase. Come on, that's some farmer language. That's some supernatural under the soil language. That's some, that's some miracle in the mundane. Sowing and watering and sowing and planting and fathering and mothering and writing cards and loving and disciplining and caring and coming to church and singing and coming to the altar and sowing and the, just the mundane, the miracles and the mundane just do. And the, under the soil, all of a sudden, there's some soil and there's some nutrients and God is working. God gives the increase up under some stuff that you can't see. You can't see the progress. You can't see the nutrients. You can't see the soil, but you can walk 
water and you can sow and you can go through the motions of the mundane things of life and miracles begin to happen. I know moms and dads, you've been pouring into those kids for years. You're like, I don't see any progress. Oh man, God gives the increase. There's something happening. There's a miracle happening. There's God moving. Some of you young people, you've been believing for a different heart or a different mindset or for discouragement or depression to leave your life and keep on sowing, keep on reading your word, keep on believing God. Something is under the soil. The greatest moments with my children that I look at and looking through pictures of my kids, it's Christmas and Thanksgiving time. It's not the big trip to Disney. It's not the big flashy, big monument thing. I looked at the picture of the toilet paper tower my children built several years ago at Christmas. I looked at the picture of the airplane box that they built. I saw the little video the other day of my son making pancakes and his sister trying to bite his finger and, and they're playing around in the kitchen. This is just the mundane moments of daily life that God begins to do miracles in your family and in your mind and in your ministry. Just keep on. Don't get discouraged when you see no progress. God is raising up world changers through your life. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit. And the last one, a people builder builds on a sure foundation. The only foundation you and I can build on is the foundation of Jesus Christ. The foundation of the word of God and the truth of God's word. You and I have to have Jesus as the foundation. The wall that Nehemiah built, listen to me, 450 B.C., it's still the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem today. It's still standing. Millions and millions of people go to that wall every year and put their prayers into a place to hope God would hear them. That's a wall that's still standing because he built on a sure foundation. That wall still stands. This was his first prayer in the book when he heard the walls torn down. He says this, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayers of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the eyes of the king. I was a cupbearer. To the king. First Corinthians 3.11 says, And no other foundation can we lay than that of Jesus Christ. Nehemiah, as he starts this project, as you start anything, as you're trying to build a family, build children, every day you need to get on your knees and say, Oh God, let your ear be attentive to me and my family. Let your ear be attentive to my prayers in the name of Jesus. And would you put favor on me and favor on my family and put your, put your hand on us so we can build something that's beyond our strength and capability. God, sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we don't see progress. But God, sometimes we want to throw in the towel. But Lord, you are doing what we can. And my foundation is on you, Jesus. Years ago, my friend David built a house in Alabama, and the house was beautiful, six, $700,000 house in Birmingham, Huntsville, and a drought hit the area, and his house sunk three feet, the whole house, and like, there was a lot of controversy about it, who was to blame, who was going to pay for it, it was newsworthy, it went on the news. He showed me pictures. He's like, my house sunk. It was my dream house. It's crazy. Insurance wouldn't cover it. They didn't cover sinkholes. They didn't know. They didn't know there was a sinkhole. They'd built the house in this, in this ground area, in this neighborhood. And what had happened was there were reservoirs of water in the area that the city would pull from. And they never pulled much from the reservoirs because they were reservoirs. When the drought hit, they pulled from the reservoirs. And now the pressure internally was released. And so the house began to sink because the pressure was released. And, and you and I, we're going to build a life on things. And there's going to be moments that pressure is released on the inside of our life. There's going to be moments that pressure is released. And if we don't have it built on Jesus, I'm telling you, there's going to be newsworthy, devastating moments in our life that we have to say, you know what? I don't want that. I need Jesus. I need him being the foundation. So when this stuff hits, man, my stuff's not sinking. 
I looked at a couple on the front row this first service and she had beat cancer and he had beat addiction and year after year after year they would come down here when they didn't see a lot of progress and they'd go back and forth in some addiction and fighting cancer and he would bend his knee day after day, week after week, just putting his life on the foundation of God. And we're going to build on a true foundation. I want to pray for you. Some of you might feel like giving in, throwing in the towel, quitting. You might not see progress. I want to pray for you to have strength today. And then some of you, maybe you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've said, you know what? I'm tired of trying to build my own thing trying to pay for my own mistakes. Maybe you didn't even know you needed someone to pay for your mistakes. You do. It's Jesus. God's perfect. And you know, you carry guilt sometimes and shame. And it's like, Jesus took care of all that. Today could be a day where you say, you know what? I'm ready to give my life to a good God. Father, would you just come on the scene right now for our families? Would you get involved in the things that we're trying to build? It's not about walls. It's not about buildings. It's about people. It's about that young man walking down the street at 20 screaming in anger in the middle of traffic it's, it's about moms and dads pouring into children over and over and hoping that the word of God sticks into their life so they can think right and build right and have a life that honors you oh God Lord it's about rebuilding things that have been hurt when there's some rubble and that we would be real with our feelings and honest those that feel like giving up today that feel like you know what I just have too many critics I've been criticized too much things have been torn down I just pray that you would help them rebuild some things today. You would lift them up today from the rubble, from the ashes. God, let them know you're great and awesome, that you're involved in their life right now. Or those that are strong and don't have any of this problem right now, they will one day. So would you come close to them and near them and they build on a real true foundation, not a foundation of success or their job or their job title or their card or their career. They would build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the rock that never changes. Jesus, you're the desire of all nations, Lord. We know that you're still in charge. You're still ruling over the sphere of the planet. You still sit in heaven. You're enthroned in heaven and you rule over the nations. You still got charge over this city and over this nation and over our families and over Jerusalem and over Israel. And one day you will return to this planet, oh Jesus. And your word in Psalms 2 says that you sit in heaven and laugh. We're so thankful that you can have a sense of humor about all the stuff that's happening down here. Lord, I thank you that you still laugh, that you still say, I've got the last laugh. You still have the last word in our life, oh God. You say, why do the kings sit in derision against you and your son? They need to kiss the son or perish. God, I pray people would kiss the son. They would come to know you, Jesus. In this house, and would you let us be a beacon of light in this city and around the world? I pray you give people strength today that we're ready to throw in the towel. If you're in this room, no one looking around just for another second, or maybe you're watching online and you say, you know what? I need Jesus. I, I need God. I need forgiveness. I know me. I know I carried my own mistakes and my own shame, and I needed somebody to take that for me. And Jesus took that on the cross, took my punishment. We all have been wayward. And the Bible says that Jesus took our punishment. Some of you are waiting to get everything right or if I get cleaned up or if I fix my life, that's not how it works. He fixes your life. And any fix you make is going to be temporal. But Jesus did an eternal fix to remove sin and shame, guilt, remove Satan's sting of sin, and he gave us life. He died on a tree, horrifically, took my debt, my shame, my guilt, and then he rose from the dead, proving to me that he's God and that there's life and eternity in his name and his name only. He's the only one that beat death, beat the grave, beat hell, beat Satan. He's the only one that lived perfect and did all that. And so today we can actually put our trust in what he did. We can have a fresh start with God. No guilt or no judgment. 
We all need a fresh start. If you're watching online right now and you know you need a fresh start, I'm just going to ask you right now, just type in fresh start. We want to pray for you. If you know today's the day, maybe this is your first time. Maybe it's the thousandth time you've come back to God. But the Bible says, if you give your life to Jesus, you get a fresh start in God. If that's you, just type in fresh start right now. And then no one looking around. If you're in this room, you say, pastor, I need a fresh start today. I don't need church. I don't need rules. I don't need religion. I need a fresh start with God. I need Jesus. I believe he's God and died for me and rose from the dead. I'm ready to give my life to him. Would you just put your hand up high and bold to me? I need a fresh start with Jesus today. I need a fresh start with God today. Come on, raise it up high and bold so I can pray you. Thank you for your honesty and courage. Thank you for your boldness. Awesome. Come on, church, people saying yes to Jesus Christ. Yes to heaven. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. If you put your hand up or need to, would you just pray with me right now? If you're watching online, just pray this right where you are. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for being a people builder. You're the ultimate people builder. You died on the cross to take my sin, my shame, and my guilt. You died to make me right in God's eyes, and you made me as right with God as I'll ever be. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you paid for my past, present, and future. All my sin, mistakes, and shame. And then you beat death and gave me life. Fill me with your spirit today so I can serve you the rest of my life with power until I see you face to face. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God praise in here. Several people saying yes to heaven. Come on, y'all are awesome people builders. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.